0: This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska, and this is our Sunday morning Bible class. Welcome. We're we're podcasting a Bible class for all of those who are not able to be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha. Those who are listening across the country as well and literally around the world. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we do encourage you to come and worship and study and grow spiritually with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. Our Bible classes begin at 9.30 on Sunday morning, followed by worship at 10.30, and then our evening worship is at 6 o'clock. Midweek Bible classes are on Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You're welcome to any and all of these services we do encourage you to come and study and grow spiritually with us, get to know us, let us get to know you. And if you're really interested in learning the Bible, we encourage you to come and study and grow with us. Now, for those who are listening in other parts of the country and around the world, we are so thankful to have the opportunity and the ability and the means to be able to broadcast God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the Internet and by means of these podcasts we pray and we hope that you are enjoying these studies and that you are learning God's Word more thoroughly, more deeply, and that you're growing spiritually as a result. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, and so the more we get into God's Word, then the stronger and and more growing our faith ought to be. Well, we encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, but share with your family members your friends your work associates your neighbors with literally everybody you can when you do that you may help somebody grow in their faith and may ultimately help them turn their lives around and get to heaven that would be a great blessing for them but it will also be a great blessing for you in addition we encourage you to encourage everybody to go to our website at churchofchrist.com churchofchrist.com Click on the email link, I'm sorry, on the podcast link and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. And when they sign up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, our daily Monday through Friday radio program, Search the Scriptures, and also, I really believe, a wonderful daily, seven days a week, short Bible study, just about 13 minutes a day, called Today's Bible Class. And while at our website, churchofchrist.com, they can download and listen to, and many of those sermons are now on video as well as audio format, so they can download and listen to hundreds of sermons, and also download and read through and study through hundreds of scripturally based and spiritually focused articles. <clears throat> All of that is right there at your disposal and for your use and again, it's free It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. So take advantage of that <clears throat> Yourself and encourage everybody, you know to do so as well. We're going to get back into our study from the book of numbers and what we've been doing for oh, a couple years or so now is we're working our way through the Pentateuch, as it's called. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible, and written mostly by Moses. It covers the very early history of mankind, and also the very early history and development of the nation of Israel. In Numbers chapter 20, we read about, last time we read about the error of Moses and, and, uh, and, and, and Aaron, his brother, as they were leading the Israelites through the wilderness. And they came to another place where the people were running low on water and they were uh, murmuring against Moses and Aaron, contended with them, and uh, just, again, their wishy-washiness in their faith, their weak faith, and they even came to the point where they say, if, if I only had if, if only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord, uh, when you brought up this assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our animals should die here, asking the question, why have you done that? And it, it ended, it, you know, it, it seemed like they, they had forgotten or else just pushed out of their mind, that they had been praying to God for deliverance from Egypt, the bondage they were in, the slavery that they were in, and they rejoiced when God, through Moses, delivered them from Egypt. They rejoiced mightily. But then as they were confronted with various challenges along the way, their faith kept waning. They became very wishy-washy and fickle as followers of God. And so here's just another occasion. They're running low on water, and so they start complaining and saying, boy, you know, wish we just died back there somewhere along the way with our brethren. Uh, They're forgetting or their faith is weakening that God has always taken care of them in all of these situations. They were running low on water once before God provided it for them miraculously. He was providing food for them miraculously manna in the morning, quail in the evening. He was taking care of them. And also, another text tells us that at the end of their 40 years of piddling around in the wilderness, now a lot of scholars will call that wandering in the wilderness, but really I, I refer to it as piddling in the wilderness because of their lack of faith or their weak faith in God to give them the victory over the people who lived in the land that God had promised to them through their forefathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, uh, they thought, well, we just can't do that. We can't win against those people. There are giants over there. There's massive cities. they are fortified cities, and we're just like grasshoppers in our eyes. Well, they were already self-defeated, and so God spent the next 40 years or so leading them around through Moses' leadership and Aaron's leadership through the wilderness until that entire adult generation from 20 years old and up died off. And so God was raising up their children's generation, and and they would be stronger in faith, and he would lead them into the promised land, and he would defeat their enemies before them. They would take the land that he had promised to them through their forefathers for hundreds of years, literally. Well, uh, in, in in chapter 20, when they came to this particular setting, where they were running low on water, uh, God was going to provide it for them again, miraculously. He told Moses and Aaron what to do. He told them, go speak to the rock, and God would bring forth water. But, and we have to always be careful, because the devil is always out there looking for some weakness in our lives, in our spiritual lives, to lead us into sin. And so Moses and Aaron succumbed. They, did, they became arrogant, they became big-headed, they were self-glorifying. And so instead of speaking to the rock, as God instructed them to do this time, they took the glory for themselves. And they said, shall we bring forth water for you? Addressing the people. And then they struck the rock. Now, previously, when this kind of situation had had presented itself, God told Moses to strike a rock, and he brought forth water. But this time he told Moses to speak to the rock, and, but instead he struck it again. Well, God brought forth the water. He took care of the people, but he told Moses in chapter 20 and Aaron, uh, because you have done this, because you have disobeyed me, and I think we can understand taken glory to yourself or tried to take glory to yourself, you're not going to enter the promised land. You're not going to get in. I'm not going to let you be the ones leading the people into that land. So in that same chapter, when you look at, uh, when you look beginning with verse 22 and on down through the end of the chapter, God brings Aaron to a point where he tells Moses, take his priestly garments off of him and put them on his son Eliezer. And uh, God brings uh, brings Aaron's physical life to an end. Aaron dies on Mount Hor. And so the people mourn for 30 days over Aaron's death. Well, Moses is still alive. He's going to lead the people ultimately up to the border of the promised land, but he'll not be allowed by God to enter that land. And so he will die on the outside of that promised land. Well, let's pick up with chapter 21, and we'll read a couple of uh, contexts of Scripture here. And again, I'm doing some skipping because I'm trying to to focus on what we might consider to be, in this narrative, the more pertinent to us lessons and contexts of Scripture that we can relate to, rather than getting into all of the details of the various laws of the old Mosaic uh Laws that God was giving to the people through Moses, and you know the building of the tabernacle and all the different uh, specifics of the garments of the priests, and and on and on and on. What kind of sacrifices they should offer and all of that, and trying to to really follow more of the narrative of their moving through the wilderness and what was happening, and then ultimately entering the promised land. Well, in verse one of chapter twenty one, the king of Arad the Canaanites who dwelt in the south, heard that Israel was coming in the road to Atharim. Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. So Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord listened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. So the name of that place was called Hormach. So here is just a short rendering of or a short account of this particular battle or a couple of battles that the people of Israel had with the Canaanites uh, under uh, under the king of Arad. So you think about that. Now here is God continually delivering his people, taking care of them every step of the way. Now, a later text of Scripture tells us that even when they came to the end of the 40 years of piddling through the wilderness, as it would turn out, the text would tell us that their clothes had not even worn out. Their shoes, the soles of them, had not even worn out. Now, that's amazing. That's because you might wonder, well, how would one to three million people wandering around in the wilderness for about 40 years, how would they clothe themselves? that would take quite a bit of resources, because surely their clothes would wear out along the way repeatedly. <laughs> How long do your clothes last? Not 40 years, by and large, if you continue to wear them on a regular basis, but through that period of time, their clothes did not wear out. The soles of their, of their shoes did not wear out, and God continually took care of them. He provided, again, Manna for them to eat in the morning. He provided them quail to eat in the evening. He provided water for them whenever they were in an area where there was no water visible and readily available. And he just kept taking care of them. And so here in this particular couple of battles that they have with some Canaanites, first the Canaanites, and I think we probably can understand they attacked Israel, and they took some prisoners. But then, and here's a vow that the people of Israel make before God, if you will indeed deliver this people, these Canaanites, into our hand, then we will utterly destroy their, their, their cities. And so God, he, he listened to their prayer, and he delivered the Canaanites into their hand. In other words, he gave the Israelites victory over the Canaanites on this occasion, and the Israelites stayed true and faithful to their vow to God, and they utterly destroyed the Canaanites and their cities. Now, then we come to another situation, and again, we just keep seeing the faith of the Israelites, they, it gets stronger, kind of peaks for a while, and then it sinks into a valley. It gets stronger, then weaker, stronger, then weaker. You might wonder, don't you see the wishy-washiness, the fickleness of your faith in God? When things seem to be going pretty well, you oh you got this strong faith. But then when challenges hit you or something comes, the devil plants some some doubts in your mind or some evil thoughts in your mind, your faith weakens. Well, isn't that the way it is with people right now? A lot of people, they oh, they love God, they have faith in God while things are going well in their lives. But then when things take a turn to the south Oh, their faith in God weakens. They may start to doubt God. They may even curse God. They may even blame God for whatever setbacks they have experienced. We need to learn. Again, God will always be with us and watch over us and take care of us as long as we always walk with him in faithful obedience. Remember what Jesus said, and here's the principle in Revelation 2 and verse 10. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Our part is to stay faithful, and that includes faithful obedience, faithful dedication, commitment, and service. And God will give us the blessings. Ultimately, Jesus said, I'll give you the crown of life. Now, that's going to be eternal life in heaven. But the devil's always out there, too, and he's always trying to throw roadblocks in our way. Always trying to get us off the path of righteousness and godliness and faithfulness and into unfaithfulness, into sinfulness of various kinds. And he's very skillful at what he does. Again, the apostle Peter likens him to a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5 and verses 8 and 9. But Peter says in that context of scripture, resist him steadfast in the faith. So God, through our faith, enables us to effectively resist the devil. God will be with us and help us along that line. James writes in James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. When we're walking with God faithfully and consistently, there's no room for the devil in our lives. But, If we are wishy-washy, if we weaken in our faith, and we start giving in to some of the temptations and the allurements of the devil, well, then we are walking away from God at those those times, and we become more susceptible to the devil's temptations. Beginning in verse 4 of Numbers chapter 21, then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Well, we might ask, why was the soul of the people becoming very discouraged as they were going through this wilderness trek? Well, they keep on going. You might stop and think, you, of course, we would just be speculating, but they were continually moving from place to place. And yet there was no one place they could call their home. That is a land that was their land. So they just kept moving. Now, why did they just keep moving? Well, it was by God's leading his instruction. And why would he lead them in such a way? Because of their lack of faith among the adult population. And so he was leading them until that entire adult population Basically, from 20 years old on and up, and dies off. And their children would be stronger in faith, and God would lead them into the promised land. So, they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Now, they had spoken against Moses a number of times, against Moses and Aaron while Aaron was still alive. They needed to learn that speaking against Moses and Aaron, God's designated leaders of the people, they were also speaking against God. But it's interesting that here in this particular text, it puts God first. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? What? You prayed that God would lead you, would deliver you from the bondage under which you were serving Pharaoh in Egypt, and you rejoiced when he did that through Moses and Aaron. Now they're blaming God. They're challenging God. Moses also, but when you're challenging Moses, God's leader, then you're challenging God. And so, the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. Loathes? Detests. We don't like it anymore. What are they talking about? The manna? That God was providing for them every morning, miraculously, as food. As food. Now, when he first began providing that for them, oh, they were all over it. They were ready for it. They gathered it up every day. Well, they were still gathering it up every day. But, you know, it was every day. That was their food, beginning the day. After a while, I guess, they got tired of it is what seems to come across here. And so they want something else. There's no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Worthless bread? It was life-sustaining bread. Life-sustaining food. God providing it for them miraculously. Oh, but here we see their faith again weakening, don't we? Their dedication to God, lessening their appreciation for all that he had been doing for them, waning. Verse 7 goes on, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Oh, no, I skipped a verse. Let's go back to verse 6. So this worthless bread, we loathe it. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Well, God is bringing judgment upon them. God is bringing judgment upon them. So he sends these fiery serpents, and the serpents bite many of them, and many of the people died. Hmm. Interesting. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. Well, see, they need God again. They need Moses' leadership again. And so they're repenting. But they never would have had to repent if they had just simply kept trusting God. He had delivered them all the way. All of their needs he had taken care of on a consistent and continual basis. But now they find another challenge. They're tired of the manna, and so they're speaking against God. They spoke against God and against Moses. And God brought judgment upon them. He sent the fiery serpents. They bit the people. Many of the people died. Well, it would seem to indicate that Pretty quickly, the people came to realize, eh, boy, we blew it again, didn't we? Our faith in God, our trust in God, we let it go by the wayside again, didn't we? And so they came to Moses. Now remember, they not only spoke against God, they spoke against Moses. They came to Moses, and they say, we've sinned, we've sinned. We spoke against the Lord and against you. And they're asking Moses now, (laughs) that he will intervene for them through prayer. Please, pray to the Lord that he takes away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at that bronze serpent, he lived. Now, I believe that we can see, we can see a figure of the ultimate deliverance of mankind from condemnation and sin, as God would send Jesus into this world as the perfect. Savior and the perfect one time for all time sacrifice, as the Roman soldiers would nail him to that cross and lift up that cross, and as we will look upon our Lord in our mind's eye on that cross, as we will look upon the Lord as we study about that sacrifice on that cross through the scriptures, and not just look at him in awe or in admiration but look upon him in, a way, in an active way of coming to him as the Savior. Understanding what he did why he was on that cross to pay the price for the guilt of our sins and to repent of our sins as these Israelites did back then and surrender to him in baptism for the remission of our sins then our sins will be wiped away and the death sentence will be taken off of us and we will be given the promise of eternal life as long as we stay true to God through Christ well that was a lesson the Israelites needed to learn it seemed like they needed to learn it over and over and over again and so God tells Moses put the serpent you know make a bronze serpent put it on a pole of course, the pole is going to be lifted up. And as the people would look at that bronze serpent on that pole, look up to it, then they're, whatever you want to understand it, poison, whatever. Anyway, they would be healed. They would live. Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on the pole, and, and so it was. If the serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. And there was God's deliverance once again, once again. Well, we're going to stop here. The next section in chapter 21 tells us about, again, they're moving farther along in this journey. And ultimately, in verse 21 of chapter 21, we see where they enter into another battle. And once again, God gives them victory. But we'll pick up at that point next time. What we really need to understand is God is always there with his people as long as his people are always there with him. And that's not just saying, I love God, or just verbally declaring faith in God, but with him in active obedience and dedication and service. That's what it really means to be to walk with God. And of course, we can only come to him through Jesus Christ. John 14 and verse 6. But as long as we are walking with God faithfully, his way, then God will always be walking with us. And he will deliver us. Ultimately, from this, the difficulties, the challenges, the rigors of this life into eternal life in heaven. Let's pray Father in heaven. We thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for Loving us so much that you sent your son to that cross as the perfect sacrifice To pay the price for the guilt of our sins and that through him We can be forgiven and saved and look forward to eternal life with you in heaven Praise be to you father and all glory and honor and thanks We pray that you will help people to open their eyes and look up to Jesus and come to you through him for forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. Help us, as your faithful followers, to be the shining lights to show people the way. We pray, Father, please. Please use us in these ways. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.